0: You're listening to the Promised Church's message of the week. We hope you enjoy this teaching by Pastor Jonathan. For more information about who we are, please visit us at thepromisechurch.com. Good morning, Promised Church. Welcome. Thank you for joining us this morning. So excited that you're you're watching with us, and uh, I'm excited to share God's word with you. In just a moment, we're going to take communion together as well. So if you haven't already, make sure you collect your your crackers. Uh, your bread, your, your juice uh, that's nearby, and we're going to partake and remember of what Jesus did for us on the cross. Uh, one of my favorite things uh, to do in my whole life is, is to take communion and, and remember what he did on his sacrifice for us. So if you haven't already, grab those real quick and grab your Bibles and something to take some notes with. We're going to just jump right in Don't have a lot of time to explain a lot to you. We're just gonna jump in. I gotta trust the Holy Spirit to help make sense of it all for you and that something will land in your heart and encourage you today. And I know he will do that. Uh, Just wherever you are, take a moment, close your eyes. Let's just pray and invite Jesus into this moment that he would speak to us powerfully and clearly. Holy Spirit, we thank you that you are with us. We thank you for your presence. And in this moment, Lord, we put our eyes fully on you. God, we, we want to hear from you. We want to we know you more. Holy Spirit, I ask that you would do what you do best, which is reveal Jesus. Lord, I ask that you would help us to hear your voice and just be in a place of encountering you, Lord, where we are willing to see who you really are and give our whole selves to you because you are worthy and you are so, so good. We love you, Jesus, in Jesus' name, amen, amen. We're going to continue our series on faith today, and I want to share with you under the title of Faith Surrenders All, Faith Surrenders All. We're going to look at two people in the Bible, two different lives that illustrate this very well. There's a lot of different ones that we could look at, a lot of heroes of the faith They gave their lives to Jesus and fully followed him with their whole life. But I want to look at two today. Hopefully, we have enough time to kind of dive into some of the aspects of what they did and the decisions that they made. And I believe you'll be encouraged. I believe you'll be inspired. And I believe you're going to be challenged. I know I am challenged in in looking at these two people. And they're Abel and they're Mary of Bethany. And I want to start with Abel in Hebrews chapter 11. It's kind of known as the faith chapter in the Bible. And Abel is the first one listed in the Hall of Fame of Faith. So, if you if you have your Bibles, turn to Hebrews chapter eleven. We're going to start in verse one. We're going to just jump right in uh, this morning. It says this: Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Verse two: This is what the ancients were commended for. By faith, we understand that the universe was formed at God's command. So that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. Essentially, what we see was made by what we don't see. was made by God. Verse 4, by faith, Abel brought God a better offering than Cain did. By faith, he was commended as righteous when God spoke well of his offerings. And by faith, Abel still speaks even though he is dead. In Genesis chapter 4, we read about Cain and Abel. Cain and Abel were the first two sons born to Adam and Eve. In a sense, the first two offspring born on the earth through the first two human beings of Adam and Eve. And both of them began to work. And it says that Cain began to work the ground and and have produce, fruit of the ground. And Abel was a shepherd and he tended the flocks. And it says over the course of time that Cain brought some of the fruit of his labor, and Abel brought the fat portions of his firstborn, of of the flocks that he attended. And it says that God looked favorably on Abel's offering, but not on Cain's. And if we continue in the story, Cain is jealous, he's angry, he tricks his brother, and he ends up murdering him. And God confronts Cain and this whole thing and it talks about how God hears the blood and the voice of Abel crying out to him even though he was dead. What was it that attracted God to Abel's offering over Cain's? What was it that caused God to even hear the, the cry of Abel's blood after he was murdered? What was it that attracted God to Abel. We have to ask ourselves this question. Many times we look at the story and we think of what they gave, well, or how they gave it. And yes, that is important. Cain, it says, brought some of the produce. Abel brought, in a sense, his best. He brought the fat portion, the best part of the firstborn of his flocks, which means he took a risk. He, if he, in giving what he gave, there was potential risk that he would not have more offspring born in his flocks. And so he took that risk. Why would he do that? Why would he give his best and Cain, and in a sense, give his leftovers? What was different in the heart of these two men? I believe that Abel was seeking after to know God, that he desired to know God in a deep way. And I believe he asked his parents, tell me how to know God what must I do? And he began in that journey of learning what and how to give to the Lord. We can look at this story and think it's all about offering and and money and, uh, and giving, but really it shows the heart of a true worshiper. Abel was willing to give of his best because he saw the value of the one that he was giving to. And Cain was like, I'll probably get by with just doing this and it'll be fine. When you see God for who he really is, it no longer is about a belief in existence. It is no longer about a belief or a faith that he is alive or he is real. It goes beyond that into a place of knowing deeply, personally, intimately. And there is an encounter and an exchange that takes place where you know him really, really well. And this is what God invites us into. And that is what true worship really is. True worship Surrenders all, gives all, gives best. I want to look at Mark chapter 14. Mark chapter 14, verse 3. Jesus is in a home in Bethany, the town of Bethany. He's gathered, his disciples are gathered around them, and they're having a meal together, celebrating the resurrection of Lazarus. Lazarus is there. You can see this story in Mark 14. You can see this story in John chapter 12. We don't have time to go into all of it, but it says that there, while Jesus was in Bethany, reclining at the table in the home of Simon the leper, a woman, Mary, came with an alabaster jar of very expensive perfume made of pure nard. She broke the jar and poured the perfume on his head. Some of those present were saying indignantly to one another, why this waste of perfume? It could have been sold for more than a year's wages and the money given to the poor, and they rebuked her harshly. Leave her alone, Jesus said. Why are you bothering her? She has done a beautiful thing to me. The poor you will always have with you, and you can help them whenever you want, but you will not always have me. She said, or she did what she could, and she poured perfume on my body beforehand to prepare for my burial. Verse 9, note this verse. Verse 9, truly I tell you, wherever the gospel is preached throughout the world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. You see, real faith will cause real worship in your life. And what is real worship? It is the total surrender and submission to God. Worship is submission of the soul. Worship is not about songs and music and lights and smoke and dancing and lifting of hands even. It is the submission and the surrender of your heart to Jesus, the one you are singing to. Worship is not about us and it is not for us though we can benefit from it, though we can receive life in it and and receive encouragement and joy and peace in the presence of the Lord. It is not for us and it is not about us. It's about the one one that we are worshiping. It's about him and it's for him. And here in this moment, Mary worshiped Jesus. The first mention of worship in the Bible was when Abraham told his servants my son Isaac and I are going to go on this mountain and we're going to worship the Lord and we will return. What was God asking Abraham to do in that moment? He was asking Abraham to give the promised son that he had been waiting for 25 years for. Abraham was supposed to sacrifice him to the Lord. And Abraham Abraham told the servants, we're going to go and we're going to worship the Lord and we're going to come back. In that context of that story, worship was all about total surrender. It was not about a song. No one was going to be up there playing keys for Abraham while he prepared the altar for Isaac. No one was going to be up there playing the drums and leading a song. It was about giving of him his whole self, every part of him to the Lord, saying, God, you have access into every part of me. And we know the rest of the story that God provided a ram in a bush and Isaac was spared. And God said to Abraham, you didn't keep anything from me. I know that your heart is fully mine. I know that you have worshipped me fully because you have surrendered all to me and you trust me. And in that moment, everything in Abraham's life was solidified. His legacy being the father of faith, his righteousness, everything was solidified in that moment. It seems very anti-American to talk about surrendering. It it seems very anti-patriotic to talk about submission and surrendering. But see, we live in an upside-down kingdom. That your victory comes from you losing everything. Your victory comes from surrendering. Your freedom comes from surrendering and submitting and giving all. Your gain comes by losing all. It's not by holding on. It's not by hanging on to what you want or your rights or what you think is best. It's saying, Jesus, you're the Lord, you're the king of my life, and I give you my whole life, and I choose to follow you in everything and with everything. This is real worship. This is true faith, to be willing to give and surrender all, as Abel did, as Mary did. And looking at their lives, I want to I look at a couple different points about faith. Faith that surrenders all. Number one, Faith that surrenders all recognizes value and gives all. Faith that surrenders all recognizes value and gives all. Your heart is the treasure that he seeks. He wants to sit on the throne of your heart and he does not want to share that seat with anything else or anyone else. But Jesus is a gentleman and he will not force his way into your life. He simply invites you and offers you that invitation waiting for you to respond he comes humbly he comes in meekness and though we might think that humility and meekness are signs of being weak it is not in fact total surrender shows absolute strength not in yourself but strength in him that he is your strength because you are to completely dependent upon him true surrender is dependency on god jesus surrendered everything in giving of his life on the cross and he invites us into the same life god desires to be our desire and true worship is the giving of our, our full selves to him, as it talks about in Romans 12, 1, that in view of God's mercy, we must offer our bodies, our lives, as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is true and proper worship. I'm telling you, when you actually see Jesus for who he really is, how amazing he really is, how much he really loves you, and you begin to love him in return, there really isn't any cost and giving your full self to him. It doesn't feel like a cost because He is so worth it. He's so worthy and worth it. In this moment, in, in Mark 14, where Mary broke the alabaster jar and poured it all over Jesus, the disciples said, why this waste? Why this waste? I'm telling you, when you see how good he is, and you see how amazing he is, then giving him everything is never a waste because you recognize he's worth everything. That a year's wages for Mary, her most prized possession, that was probably something that she inherited from her family, it was worth it. In fact, in her heart, it wasn't enough. She wanted to give more if she could. You see, you can't waste your life on Jesus. It's impossible to waste your life on him. They thought it was a waste because they didn't value Jesus the same way. How you spend your time reveals the value of your heart. Reveals your heart. How you spend your time if you're consumed with so many other things and you can't take time to be alone with Jesus. How much do you really value Him? You might say, Well, I'm so busy. I got four kids, I got these projects, I work full-time, I have all these other responsibilities. It's impossible for me to spend 45 minutes a day with God or whatever you want to put that time on, 30 minutes, an hour, two hours. It's impossible, there's no way. But what if I told you that if for every day for an entire year, I would give you, if you spent at least 45 minutes with Jesus, every day for an entire year alone with him, if you did it, I would give you $5 million. Would you do it? You probably would. Why? Because you value the $5 million. I think we think $5 million is more valuable than Jesus sometimes. He's more precious, more valuable than any amount of money, than any possession, than anything, than any status, any amount of glory, recognition, fame, fortune. And we show him how much we value him if we're willing to take time out of our morning, time out of our day, to be alone with him, simply just to be with him, just to love him. Psalm 73, one of my favorite verses right now. Psalm 73, 25 says, Whom have I in heaven but you? And earth has nothing I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail, But God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Earth has nothing I desire besides you, Jesus. You're all I want. Real faith that surrenders all recognizes value and gives all. Number two, faith that surrenders all ministers to the Lord. Ministers to the Lord. Jesus said this about Mary in this moment. She has done a beautiful thing to me. Mary didn't do it for a recognition. She didn't do it for a a social media post. She didn't do it for people to give her pats on the back and a hand clap and a compliment. She did it for Jesus. She didn't even do it to be put in the Bible or to have her story be told later on. She did it because she simply just loved him. See, everything that we do, our worship, our prayer, our devotion, the reading of the word, the living of the word, all of it isn't meant to be for us. It's meant to be unto him, to minister to him and to his heart. We must come to that place where we realize our our love and ministry of worship and fellowship with the Lord must be our highest calling and our greatest ministry. This is real worship. Psalms 31, 23 says, love the Lord all his faithful people. Psalms 18, one, I love you, Lord, my strength. He just wants our love. The first and greatest commandment, love the Lord with all of your being. This is what he's after. Number three, faith that surrenders all is persecuted. Mary, persecuted by the disciples in the room. Abel, Persecuted by his own brother and murdered. Sometimes we will be persecuted by those closest to us. Abel was actually listed in Matthew 23 by Jesus as a prophet, as a righteous person that was persecuted along with all of the other prophets, all the way up to Zechariah at the end of the Old Testament. And Jesus said to the Pharisees, "You religious Pharisees who function under a religious spirit of legalism and hatred and judgmental uh, and and judgment, you are responsible for the murder of Abel to Zechariah." Pretty amazing how Abel was persecuted and still remembered and had a lasting legacy. I'm telling you right now, Mary did not even hear the accusations. Mary did not even hear the whispers. She did not hear them tell her to stop because true worshipers don't even hear the noise of accusation and persecution because they're so enamored with being at the feet of Jesus and looking at his face. This is what they're all about. This is their heart's cry. Last point, number four. Faith that surrenders all creates a reputation in heaven and on earth. Creates a reputation in heaven and on earth. Hebrews 11.4, I read it at the beginning, but it says, and by faith, Abel still speaks, even though he is dead. Think about it. One of the first human beings to walk the earth, and we're talking about him still to this day. Why? because he, took, he didn't go into a place of routine and tradition and just dead acts going through the motions. That moment with Cain and Abel was a display of genuine worship, genuine, sincere devotion to the Lord, versus just going through the motions. I'll give you my leftovers, Lord. I'm telling you, if you just give God your leftovers, he's not really Lord. And Abel is still being talked about, still looked to as an example of faith, an example of obedience, an example of sacrifice and surrender, because he chose to give all. Mark 14, 9, we read it earlier as well, that wherever the gospel is preached, what Mary did for Jesus is to be told in memory of her. Jesus set this up. He wanted it this way. He wanted everyone to look at Mary and say, Hey, this is what I want. This is what I'm looking for in a true worshiper. One that will be willing to give me all. You see, true worshipers have a reputation with God and a lasting legacy. They will be remembered through all of time and eternity because they are willing to give all. Why? Simply because they are following in the example of their King following the example of the love of their soul, Jesus, who came to this earth, who humbled himself, left heaven, became a man, fully God, fully man, and he chose to lay down his life for you and for me. He was totally dependent upon God for everything. Jesus said, I don't say anything or do anything unless the Father tells me to. If Jesus lived in this place of dependency, so must we. And it begins by a place of surrender. Maybe you're watching today, and you don't have a relationship with Jesus. You've not began to walk with him. I invite you to come to him today. He's inviting you. He's opening up his heart to you, and he's asking if you will open up your heart to let him in. If you will come to him and surrender all, I promise you, you will experience something that is beyond words, beyond description, and you will experience a freedom, a a victory, and a peace and a hope that you've never had before. If you're you're depressed, if you're discouraged, come to him. Surrender. Your victory, your freedom is found in giving him everything. It's not found in holding on and trying to make it on your own. Come to him today. I invite you in this moment, if you don't know Jesus, to pray this prayer with me. If you want to begin a relationship with him, it just starts simply here. And I'm believing that you're going to meet the person who is salvation in this moment. To say, Jesus, I open up my heart to you. Come into my life. I surrender fully to you. Please forgive me of my sins. Cover me in the blood of Jesus. Wash me whiter than snow. Holy Spirit, come and make your home in me. Fill me with your presence. Remove all burdens and heaviness away. I want to know you, Jesus. And I want to walk with you every day of my life. Thank you for what you've done for me. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. I believe that many of you prayed that sincerely, maybe even for the first time, and we would love to connect with you. Make sure you reach out to us, comment on the the stream, contact us. We'd love to to meet you and, and, and to be able to help you walk this journey with Jesus together. And we're going to take a moment and celebrate what he did for us on the cross. Come on, communion and remembering the body and the blood of Jesus is the ultimate picture of surrender. It's the ultimate picture of Jesus coming and surrendering all for us. No one made him do it. He said, I willingly lay down my life for all. So in this moment, we're gonna remember what he did in his sacrifice. And I wanna read just a couple scriptures for you. I believe that Jesus in this time of communion is inviting you into a place where you actually experience Jesus as enough for you. That he satisfies you completely and fully. And I want you just to put your focus and attention on him in this moment. Just picture him there on the cross. Picture him there for you, beaten and bloody for you. I want to read this. I've read this before, but I I felt led to read this again. That Jesus was the lamb that was slain. Jesus was the lamb that came as the ultimate sacrifice to provide us access into the presence of God to know him. So behold the lamb that was slain. Picture him on the cross for you and for all of humanity. The one from whose mouth spoke the universe into existence had his mouth beaten with human fists and his face spat upon. The one who formed mankind from the dust with his hands now had those hands nailed to a tree. The one who walked on water and on the earth he made had his feet nailed to that same tree. The one whom possesses all wisdom and all knowledge, the one and only, the great king, now wore a crown of thorns, too small for his head, that pressed into his skull. The one who breathed life from his mouth into Adam, hung on a cross, parched of thirst. The one who constantly hears heaven's praises was mocked and cursed. The one tempted in every way, just as we were, but was without sin. The righteous one, the blameless one, the spotless lamb. He became sin for us and died a criminal's death in our place. The one who came to earth so that he could walk by our side had his side pierced to make sure he was dead the one who is altogether lovely and our beautiful bridegroom was beaten unrecognizable and mostly red from his precious blood that was shed the one who is life itself gave up his life and lay dead in a tomb but now But now he has been miraculously raised. He is alive today, seated at the Father's right hand, and is coming back again on the clouds. See how he looks now, as is said in Revelation chapter 1, with a robe reaching down to his feet, and a golden sash around his chest and hair white like wool with eyes like blazing fire with feet glowing like bronze and his voice like the sound of rushing waters with his face shining like the sun and coming out of his mouth a double-edged sword the one who holds the seven angels of the seven churches in his right hand who walks among his church this is our king This is the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end, the living one who holds the keys of death and hell, the one who is and was and is to come, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. This is who he is. And Lord, we remember you today. We take this bread that represents your body. Lord, you said... In John 6, that you are the bread of life, that whoever comes to you will never be hungry and never be thirsty again. God, you desire to satisfy us with yourself. Oh Lord, I ask that you would touch every person watching right now, that they would encounter you in such a real and tangible way. God, that they would be deeply satisfied in the deepest part of their soul, but that only you can fill, God. Nothing of this world can satisfy. What do we have on earth besides you? The earth has nothing we desire besides you, God. You are our portion. You are our source. You are our sustenance. Oh, God, we long for you. We thank you, Jesus. I thank you, God, that in your body, you paid for all sickness and all disease. You paid for every mental illness. You paid for anxiety and depression. That by your wounds, we are healed. So, God, we take this bread in remembrance of your sacrifice, in remembrance of those wounds and your body that you surrendered. And we receive healing today. We receive life today. We receive satisfaction of our souls today. God, we receive you in this moment. We thank you, Jesus. You may partake of the bread. Lord we thank you for your precious blood the blood of the new covenant that brings us into a place of access into your presence that washes us white as snow cleanses us from all sin Lord we plead your blood over every home watching right now a covering of your blood over every family or of every home, every person. Lord, that your blood would come and bring healing. Your blood would come and bring deliverance and freedom. Your blood would come and make people right in their hearts and in their minds. God, that they would see clearly that you'd lift off heaviness. You'd lift off discouragement. You'd lift off depression. You'd lift off worry and fear. And you would break it in Jesus' name. Lord, I plead the blood of Jesus over every person watching and every person that's a part of the promised church. Lord, I ask for what you paid for to become reality in their life. Full healing, full deliverance, full freedom in Jesus' name. Peace, joy, hope, life, faith. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Jesus. We take this cup in remembrance of your sacrifice, in remembrance of your blood. And we love you, Jesus. And we give you all praise and glory and honor. You're so worthy. In Jesus' name, you may partake of the cup. And church, I ask that you would just stand wherever you are right now while you're watching. We're gonna go into worship. We're gonna worship the Lord together in this moment and give him praise and give him thanks he's so worthy he's so good let's put our full attention on him and just thank him for what he's done jesus we love you we give you glory we give you praise it's all about you it's all for you and lord we ask that you would come and move in our midst right now lord what you paid for would become reality in every person and every person watching right now in jesus name Come on, let's worship together. Let's celebrate his victory on the cross. Come on.
1: Jesus, you're beautiful. You're beautiful. You're the beginning of you